All right, hello, Christ community. Greetings to our 15th Street campus and our West campus, our traditions venue. We're so glad all of you are here. We're a church that's just all about seeing God change people's stories. And he's doing that. He's bringing healing and life and hope into people's hearts and lives, which is so cool. We have an amazing Savior. Uh, before we jump into the message uh, today, I wanted to highlight a couple of things coming up this, this upcoming weekend, um, well, this, this next weekend. One is a, a laid-back gathering for guys that I'm, I'm putting together uh, for several months. I have felt God laying on my heart a message for men. It's a message about living out of a whole heart rather than a fragmented heart. It's very much the journey that I am on, and I feel like God wants me to share this, and I want to share this with other guys, young and old. Um, I wish I had heard some of this stuff when I was in college. Um, so I have set up actually two times for this upcoming weekend, um, realizing our schedules are kind of crazy. So one is going to be at the Bel Air downtown, Zoe's, on Saturday morning, this coming Saturday morning at 7 a.m., and then the second option is going to be on Sunday evening, that next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. at Zoe's Cafe downtown. Downtown. So we'll have burritos at each one of those. Just bring a few dollars to help with the food costs. And again, all of you men, all of you guys are invited. I would love for you to invite your friends as well. You don't need to sign up. Just show up. You can take out your phone right now and put this in it. Right this coming Saturday, it's April 29th at 7 a.m. Saturday morning or Sunday, April 30th at 6 p.m. The other, um, the other um, thing that's happening next weekend is baptisms. Um, in our services next weekend, in addition, in addition to the teaching, we're going to be celebrating some baptisms. Now, baptism is a way to publicly declare your faith in Jesus. It is something that Jesus commands us to do, not as a way to earn you know, points with him or be saved or whatever, but it's in obedience to him. So if you are a believer in Jesus and you have never been baptized, you've not been baptized, I urge you to do so. Maybe Maybe you recently became a Christian in our Alpha course or one of our services, or maybe you've been a Christ follower, a Christian for years, but you've never been baptized, or maybe you were baptized as an infant. And that was more of your reflection of your parents' desire for you, but, but you've not been baptized as a believer, as you know, an indication of your own faith. Whatever your situation, I urge you to obey Jesus by being baptized. Now, we have a very important orientation, a baptism orientation this Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the 15th Street campus where you will find out more details about being baptized. Also, there is a baptism brochure in the seat pocket in front of you. If you're here at West or 15th Street campus, at West Campus um, and Traditions, these are in your information packet. But if you're interested, take this with you, check it out. There is a form in here you need to fill out um, and you can bring with you on Tuesday, again, 7 p.m. on Tuesday. If you are 13 years old, um, or under, um, and you want to be baptized, you must attend this orientation on Tuesday. So if you have any questions, um, feel free to talk to the staff person after the service today. It's going to be a great weekend. Okay, so if you have your Bible or Bible app, feel free to turn to Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. 
We are in the midst of a teaching series entitled Before and After. And in, 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 in the series from the book of Luke, we are looking at the passages of Scripture that lead up to the cross and the resurrection, and also the passages that describe life after those events, which is where we're at in the story today. In our passage today, <clears throat> it is Sunday afternoon, and Jesus' body is not in the tomb. Early in the morning, an angel appeared to some women followers of Jesus and told them that Jesus had risen. So the women, those, these women hurry back to share this story with the other followers of Jesus. But the disciples hear the woman's story and they are skeptical. However, Peter, he runs to the tomb and he finds it empty and he walks away marveling at what this could mean. That's what we talked about last week on Easter. Well, now that's where our story picks up, beginning in verse 13, where Luke introduces us to two followers of Jesus who have an amazing thing happen to them. Now, what I'd like to do is read this entire story so that we get a feel for the whole passage, and then I want to unpack it so that we see how it applies to our lives. So here's what happens beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them, followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. Day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is God's word. Now, this is an amazing encounter. Whoever says that the Bible is boring probably hasn't read it, right? I mean, who could make up stuff like this? So this is a remarkable event, but the question is, what does this have to do with us? 
How does the experience of these two men from 2,000 years ago impact our experience today? Here's how. This passage we just read, this passage gives us a vivid picture of how Jesus wants to interact with his followers after his resurrection. In other words, this passage shows us, it shows us what our everyday lives can look like now that Jesus has risen. See, it's very significant that these, these two men, they are not apostles. They are not of the 12 or whatever. They, they are not. They, they're not one of the 12. No, they, they were ordinary. They are ordinary followers of Jesus, like you and me. Ordinary followers of Jesus, like you and me, who on this particular day, unintentionally give us and show us a beautiful picture of the spiritual life, a powerful picture of discipleship. Now, um, when, when we think about discipleship, and what I mean by that, that's just growing as a disciple of Jesus, right? That's what discipleship is. When we think about discipleship, typically, if you're kind of been around the church a while, what we typically think of is programs right? Discipleship is a program. Be a part of a Bible study, establish accountability, go through these classes. We often reduce discipleship to the passing on of information or the passing on of principles to live by. Now, I'm not saying that those activities are bad. I'm not saying those principles or that the information is wrong. No, no, no. But, But I would like to propose a totally different paradigm for discipleship. I want to propose a different paradigm for discipleship, a totally different understanding of what discipleship is, of what discipleship looks like. And it's a, it's a definition that comes directly from this passage. It's, it's a definition I recently heard the uh, author, actually several months ago, the author John Eldridge give, and it resonated so much with me. And when I was reading and studying this passage, I'm like, that's it. This is what this is. So here's how Eldridge defines discipleship. Learning to walk with Jesus. Learning to walk with Jesus. I love that. That's discipleship. That's spiritual growth. It is learning to walk with Jesus. I remember in my early years as a Christian, discipleship always felt so heavy. (laughs) It always felt so serious. When I was in college, my friends and I would quote people who said things like, when Christ calls a man, he calls him come and die, right? Oh, that's so heavy. That's good. Let's memorize that. But more recently, I've come to discover that that is only a partial picture. When Christ calls a person to follow, the essential invitation is this, walk with me. Walk with me. Learn to walk with me. Sometimes that will mean a difficult decision to die to self, but other times it will mean a joyful decision to embrace our true self. See, the call to discipleship The call to discipleship is ultimately a call into a life-giving, continual union with Jesus. 
It's a call to a continual life-giving union with Jesus. And this passage gives us a powerful picture of what this looks like, of what it looks like to walk with Jesus. Now, the first thing that is so cool, is so evident in this story is who initiates this relationship. We are, we are told that while these two guys were walking and talking about all that had just been happening in Jerusalem, Jesus came up and walked along with them. Now, they didn't recognize him. I don't understand that. We will not know until heaven, I guess, what happened there. But they didn't recognize him. <clears throat> and so, as Jesus comes and walks along with them, he begins asking them questions. I love that. He took an interest in them, in what was on their heart. See, this, this is the foundation for each of us to grow as disciples of Jesus. It is in recognizing that he is already pursuing you. He is already pursuing you. He is interested in being a significant part of your everyday life. <clears throat> when we view our discipleship, when we view our spiritual growth, our discipleship, solely about being, you know, as solely about as a program, right? Or we do, or a two-hour Bible study on Wednesday night, or a podcast we listen to, or when, when we view it through those things, we miss the heart of discipleship. Those activities are all good. They are all good. But the ultimate invitation of discipleship is to walk with Jesus. It's to walk with with Jesus. It is to realize that he wants to be a part of our everyday lives. See, your Monday morning at work or school is no less spiritual than your Saturday evening or Sunday morning in church, if you understand discipleship. When you walk with Jesus, there is no distinction between the sacred and the secular. It is all sacred. It is all sacred because he is walking with us. He's crunching numbers with us. <laughs> He's doing lesson plans with us. He's taking our algebra exam with us. He's doing Zumba with us, right? He is with us serving food to people at the restaurant. And in all of that, in all of that, he is pursuing our hearts. He's pursuing our hearts. He wants us to welcome him in to the things that we're worrying about. He wants us to welcome him in to the decisions that we're making and the burdens that we're carrying. See, Luke tells us here in verse 17, he tells us that these two men were feeling downcast. They were saddened and they were perplexed by all that had happened. And they shared that with Jesus. They opened their hearts to him. Because he was, he was asking, right? And they opened their hearts to him. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to be a part of every moment of every day. He wants us to open our heart to him. He wants to be invited into those conversations you are having and I have in our head, right? And you know exactly what I'm talking about. We all have these conversations that are going on in our head all the time. We have these conversations going on in our head. You know, we have these windows that just kind of stay open, right? Um, we're, we're replaying that conversation with our boss from last Friday and what we should have said. Um, or we're, we're still reeling from the hurtful words that our spouse spoke to us last night or a friend wrote to us in an email or a text or whatever. These things are playing in our minds. They're playing in our minds. And here's the deal. A lot of times... A lot of times we think of that stuff as being unspiritual. 
We think of that stuff, these conversations, we think of that as being unspiritual, but it is not unspiritual as long as we invite Jesus into those places, as long as we invite him into those conversations. See, I think sometimes, like a lot of times actually, many of us here, we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up for the things we're thinking about. And we try, or, or we try to, you know, we try to suppress, oh, I shouldn't be thinking about that. Try to suppress those things. I shouldn't be thinking that. I shouldn't be feeling that. Which doesn't work. Do we realize that? Trying to suppress our thoughts doesn't work, right? Suppressing our feelings doesn't work. So what if we just ask Jesus to be a part of those conversations? What if we ask Jesus to be a part of those thoughts and those feelings. Jesus, I'm feeling lonely today. Or I am so mad at my roommate right now. Or Jesus, I am so sad about the decisions that my child is making. Or God, I'm feeling really anxious about our finances. Or I'm just, Lord, I'm just overwhelmed with the busyness of my life right now. I haven't had a minute to myself in weeks. What if we just opened up those things? And they could also be positive things. Jesus, I really have a crush on that girl. How can I ask her out? Um, or, or God, wh where should we go on vacation this year? These are not unspiritual things. <laughs> they are not unspiritual things. They are a part of our life. They are things that Jesus wants to be included in. Because remember what discipleship is. Say it with me here. I'll wait for the screen here. There we go. Uh, learning to walk with Jesus. You guys had it anyway. You didn't even need the screen, right? But I just waited for that. Okay. Learning to walk with Jesus. Th these two followers on the way to Emmaus show us that this kind of lifestyle, it involves a conversational relationship with Jesus. A conversational relationship with Jesus. Because not only do they open up and tell him what is on their heart, which they do, we already talked about that, they then listen to what he has to say. They listen to what he has to say. How many of us know that having a conversation involves two-way communication, right? Uh, that, that, that's what makes a conversation a conversation. It's when we share what's on our heart and, and we listen to the other person. That's what makes a conversation a conversation rather than a monologue, right? A conversation goes two ways. Now, I, I will, at times I hear Christians talk about um, their conversational relationship with Jesus, right? Which is awesome. They talk about how they talk to him in the car and they talk with him on the way to school and they're talking all the time. Just have this, it's just me and Jesus, I'm talking to him all the time, which is great. But my question is, are you also listening to him? It's great you're talking all the time to him. That's great. But are you also listening to him? Are you listening to him? Are you listening to what Jesus wants to say to you in the midst of all that's going on in your life? This is such a, this is such a wonderful part of learning to walk with Jesus. It's learning to hear his voice. Learning to hear his voice and intentionally being attentive to that. Being attentive to his voice. Jesus wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. He says in John 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. That's what my sheep do. They listen to my voice. Hearing Jesus' voice is the birthright of every believer in Jesus. 
Hearing Jesus' voice is the birthright of every believer in Jesus. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He he wants to give us his wisdom, his insight, his peace, his truth. So how does he speak to us? I mean, these these guys in the passage um, in Luke 24, they were actually in the physical presence of Jesus. Our situation is a little different, right? It is different, but it is not as different as we might think. So let me explain what I mean. Here's why. At the end of this chapter in Luke, Jesus promises that he will send his Holy Spirit to live in us, which then we see happen in chapter two of the book of Acts, which is the companion to Luke. Luke wrote both of those, Luke and Acts. So we see that happen. The Holy Spirit comes to live in every believer in Jesus. Now, follow me here. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of Jesus. That's why Paul refers to him as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. He is the very presence of Jesus. So if you have placed your trust in Jesus, his very own presence lives in you. In other words, Jesus, Jesus is as near to you today as he was to these two followers on the road to Emmaus. That's cool. And it's true. (laughs) Jesus is as near to you today as he was to those followers, those two followers on the road to Emmaus. Okay, so if that's all true, what if the spirit of Jesus lives in us, what is he doing in us? What's he doing in us? Jesus says in John 16, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about what's gonna happen in the future. It's already happened. It's on our past. It's happened. He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. So he is speaking to us. Just like Jesus spoke to these two followers after his resurrection, now Jesus wants to speak to us through his spirit. This is not for a select few. This is not just for super spiritual people. This is for every believer in Jesus. In fact, I think it's important that we don't know one of these guys' names. We know one's Cleopas. We don't know the other name. That's important to me because he's not anything special. He's ordinary, just like you and me. Hearing Jesus' voice is not for a select few. It's it's for every believer in Jesus. His very own spirit lives in you, and he wants to speak to you. And this is part of what it means to walk with Jesus. The other day I was stewing about something related to a relationship in my life. And I was kind of wondering what this person's thinking, what they're feeling. And I was getting myself kind of worked up. Um, Do I need to text them right now? I probably do. You know, I was just kind of getting all worked up about that. And normally I would just do it out of compulsion. I I think I need to text them to make sure everything's okay. You know, I did. But instead, this time, instead, I just stopped and I said, hey, Jesus, what do you think? How should I respond to this person? Do I need to text them? What, what, what should I do? And I had this immediate sense in my heart. Wait, don't text this person. Give it time. So, okay, I'll do that. So in the midst of my intensity in that moment, rather than doing what I would have done, you know, out of compulsion, I hope they like me still, you know, that kind of thing. All those insecurities that arise in that kind of situation. Um, I just felt this peace. Okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray for them, but I'm not going to text them. 
Um, all the stirrings about my, that situation, they were quieted by the gentle voice of Jesus. And it turns out that was exactly what I needed to do. An essential aspect of walking with Jesus is learning to hear his voice. It's learning to cultivate this conversational relationship where we're not only welcoming into what we're experiencing, we're also listening to his voice. So how do we grow? How do we grow in this? It's really important. It's critical, actually, to discipleship. So how do we grow in this? Well, notice what these two disciples say after they finally recognize Jesus and then he disappears. Um, notice what they say. Verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road. This is so insightful here because it shows us, it gives us a picture of how the post-resurrection Jesus speaks. He speaks to our hearts. He speaks to our inner being, which requires a new kind of attentiveness where we pay attention to that still small voice, that, that sense in our inner being or that phrase that drops into our mind. It's like an interruption, right? It just kind of drops into our mind, that phrase. We pay attention because you see, God most often speaks in a gentle whisper to our hearts. That's how he most often, and I'm, by heart I'm talking about my mind and heart thoughts. The heart is the center of our being. It's the place for our mind and our passions and will and all that stuff. So I'm talking about just our inner being that he speaks to us. He, a gentle whisper to our inner being. And here's the deal about whispers. They can easily be ignored because he's whispering, right? <laughs> whispers, if God is whispering, we got to pay attention because whispers can be easily ignored. Bullhorns aren't easily ignored, okay? Shouts are not easily ignored. Whispers can be easily ignored. And that's why for many, for many of us, we don't think God speaks to us. I hear people say this all the time. God doesn't speak to me. He speaks to everyone else. He doesn't speak to me. I hear people say that all the time. I don't hear God. I don't hear him speak. And I get that because that's how I felt for a long time, a number of years. I believe God spoke I just didn't think he spoke to me. God doesn't speak to me. That's how I felt for a long time. But then I began to realize the reason I'm not hearing God speak is because I'm expecting him to shout. I'm expecting him to communicate in a way that I cannot possibly ignore. I'm expecting something obvious that can't be ignored, but he's whispering. He's whispering. So what do, you, what do you instinctively do when someone whispers to you? You lean in, right? If someone's whispering, you lean in. You have to lean in to hear them, to pay attention. So if God, follow me here, if God is whispering to us, but we're never paying attention to a whisper. We're expecting HD quality visions or whatever lightning bolts. We're expecting that. And God is whispering. We won't hear him speak even if he is speaking. We won't hear him because we're expecting this and he's just whispering in here. So my encouragement for all of us as we're inviting the presence of Jesus into our everyday lives, we're walking with him, my encouragement is to take time to ask him what he thinks. Ask him what he thinks. And then listen with your heart to his response. It may be an impression, just kind of a sense you have. It may be a word or a picture that drops into your heart. Pay attention 
to those whispers that come into your inner being. Pay attention to them. The more you do this, the more you do this, the more you will recognize the gentle voice of Jesus. He is speaking to you all the time. He is. That his voice will become a natural part of your learning to walk with him. Every one of us can learn to hear him speak. But it, it is a journey. It's a journey, and I'm not saying I have a special pipeline to God. I don't. It is a journey, and it's taken me years, and I'm still learning. So don't give up. Don't beat yourself up for not hearing as well as you'd like. Just regularly take time to quiet your heart and pay attention to his divine whispers. See, I truly believe that as you invite him into the conversations you're having in your head and into the burdens that you're carrying and the things you're feeling, as you invite him into those places, you will begin to hear him speak to you. You will begin to hear him speak to you. That this continual give and take will become a natural part of your relationship with him. I'm not talking about, okay, I'm speaking now, Lord, and now I'm going to listen, and now I'm going to, you know, I'm not talking about these, these clear lines. It's just this conversational give and take. But that will be a part of your natural relationship with Jesus, this conversational union with him. And so what, I, what will happen, I think, is that discipleship will become this amazing adventure as you learn to walk with Jesus by tuning in to his still small voice. For example, earlier I mentioned that we're having baptisms next weekend, and maybe for some of you, your initial response was, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. But what if, what if you ask Jesus what he thinks? What if you ask Jesus what he thinks? If you've never, you've never been baptized, you say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? Maybe oh, I'm going to wait until next year because I have friends here. Well, I'm going to wait. You know, all that stuff, we, those things we say. What if we just stop and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And then we listen in our heart for his answer. Who knows? Who knows what wonderful things Jesus has in store for you as you choose to walk with him? As you choose to walk with him. So, so learning to walk with Jesus means learning how to hear his voice in our everyday lives. Now, one of the ways that he often speaks to us, I've already talked about these impressions or whatever, another way he often speaks to us is through his word, the Bible. In, in this passage in Luke 24, as Jesus is talking with these followers, he uses the Old Testament, the books of Moses and the prophets to explain how, you know, how all that has just happened in Jerusalem was all a part of God's plan. The Messiah had to suffer these things. This was all a part of God's purposes, and it was all in the book. See, obviously, the word of God was important to Jesus to communicate truth to his followers, to these followers. And the same thing is true for us. God wants to speak to us through the Bible. He wants to reveal his heart. He wants to give us wisdom. He wants to share truth. I mean, think of how the word impacted these two followers who initially were feeling downcast and confused, maybe even fearful, but then their hearts came alive. Their hearts came alive. God spoke to them. He spoke to them in their hopelessness, in their sadness, giving them a whole new perspective. That's what the word of God can do in our lives. That's what the word of God can do in our lives. In the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of our confusion, our anxiety, God can give us his perspective on these things. Reminding us that he has a plan, reminding us that he can be trusted, reminding us that his love is enough. We need to be reminded of these truths in the midst of all that we experience in our daily lives. I mean, life is hard. 
and we get hurt and we get beaten up and we start believing lies, all that life is hard. We need to be reminded of these things. Just the other day, um, I was spending some time with the Lord before my day got going, and I uh, had a conversation going on, probably multiple ones in my head, about something related to a text someone had sent me or whatever. And, and so uh, these things are going on in my head. So I'm, I'm quieting my heart, and I just began reading Scripture. And uh, I came to a passage in my kind of regular routine. came to a passage in Ephesians 3 where Paul prays that we might know how high and wide and long and deep is the love of Christ. And I stopped and I looked at that again, just read it a few times. And, and it was just what my soul needed in that moment. Just this reminder of God's incredible, vast love. And so it inspired me to pray that for me, that I would experience it, and to pray that for my family, and to pray that for our church staff, and to pray that for you all, to pray that for our church, and, and for the men that I'm going to be speaking to this, this, this week. And I mean, just God was stirring this in my heart. So God used his word to recalibrate my heart that day. It was just what I needed to hear. And I think he wants to do that all the time as we engage in his word. So if you're wanting to some practical input about how to engage personally in the Bible, I did a teaching on this February 18th and 19th, um, just this last February. You can watch it on our app or our, our website. Now, there's something else that happens here in this passage that I want to point out here. Notice what these guys do the moment Jesus disappears before their eyes. Verse 32, they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love this. Isn't this what we instinctively do when something cool happens in our lives? We want to tell someone. We want to tell someone. <laughs> and this is what, when God does something really cool in our lives, we want to tell someone. It would have been a major bummer if they were all alone in this journey. This happens to them, and they're all alone. They would have no one to share this with. That would be a major bummer, right? It's like having a hole in one by yourself. You know, you just, who do you tell? Who do you celebrate with? And this is, this is such a great reminder um, that, that we as humans, we are hardwired for community, for relationships. God doesn't want us to walk with him all by ourselves. He doesn't. We need each other. And there's a huge lie out there that, oh, I can just, just me and Jesus. I don't need the church. I don't need other people. I don't need relationships. That's a bunch of, you know what, okay? Um, we, we need each other. We want to be able to share things with each other. The video we saw earlier is just, it shows this, this, this need in us to connect with others. And, and we're, we're designed for this. We're, we're made for this. And this is what our e-groups in our church are designed for, to, to walk with Jesus together with a group of friends. We're made for that so that we can share what God is doing. We can pray for each other. We can look into the word together. We can get insights that we wouldn't have found on our own because other people have insights into the word. It's all good. Just doing this in community with other people. So this passage here in Luke 24, it is such a, it's such a powerful picture of what our lives can be like now that Jesus is risen from the dead. It is this life-giving picture of discipleship, of spiritual growth. It is not heavy. It is not heavy. And if you've thought spiritual growth is really heavy, you know, it's not. It's not heavy. It's not burdensome. Jesus simply invites us to walk with him, to learn to walk with him. Now, this little word with is really important. 
a lot of times we as Christians subconsciously embrace a different approach to discipleship. We substitute another word for the word with. And the word we substitute for with is the word for. Our spiritual journey becomes, is about us living for God. I'm going to live for God, right? And that sounds okay on the surface. I want to live for God. We all want to live for God. I want to do what he wants. And all this sounds good, but here's the problem. I know from personal experience, I know where that inevitably leads. It leads to a life of religious duty and performance, trying harder and harder to keep God happy. I'm living for him. See, in, in this paradigm, discipleship quickly becomes this heavy burden. Again, I've got to live for God. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to try better. I'm going to try harder. I'm, I'm going to live for you. It's this heavy burden, and it's never what Jesus intended. Jesus says to us, don't live for me. Walk with me. Don't live for me. <laughs> Walk with me. Invite me into your everyday life and see the difference that that makes. See the difference that that makes. The other day, I went to buy some jeans at Kohl's. And uh, as I was driving, I got my jeans. And as I was driving out of the parking lot, rather than turning on the radio, I just turned my heart to Jesus for, for a moment. And this is probably going to sound a little weird. But, but I just thanked him for being able to buy these jeans that I wanted. I thanked him that I had money to do this, that I could do this. And so as I expressed that to him, I just, I sensed his presence with me. I sensed his presence with me. My heart was just filled with gratitude to him. It was just kind of washing over me, just for this gratitude for all he had done. I mean, tears were coming to my eyes. It was this holy moment right in front of Target, okay? I, I don't think there's any connection there, but uh, this holy moment right in front of Target. And see, I, I was driving with Jesus, now, I realize he is always with me. I know he's always with me. But in that moment, right there in my CRV, in that moment, I was aware of his presence with me. I was aware of his presence with me. I was walking with him. And it made me long for more moments like that. Where I opened my heart to his pursuit of me and to his words spoken to me. And we do this journey together. We do this journey together. That's his invitation to you and me. That's his invitation to learn to walk with him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this invitation in your word to us. Following you, discipleship is not a burden. It's an invitation to walk with you every moment of every day. So I want to, I'm going to read a scripture here as we quiet our hearts. And then we're going to practice this, okay? But here's an invitation from Jesus. Just let this, let this speak to your heart, okay? So we, we're just going to quiet our hearts right now. Here's Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's the invitation to be yoked with Jesus, to walk with him, to come to him, no matter what burdens we're carrying, just to invite him into that. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to practice this right now. I just want to encourage you, just quiet your heart and let's be present to Jesus in this moment. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I don't want you to think, okay, I got to stop thinking about that. And I got to focus my mind. I got to stop. No, no, no. It's not about stop thinking. Don't stop thinking about anything. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be present to where you are right now. What are you thinking about? What conversations are you having in your mind right now? What emotions are you feeling and experiencing? Don't try to suppress any of that. Be present to where you are right now, first of all. So let's just take a moment and do that. Where are you right now? Don't try to be holy about it. Just be honest. Where are you at? What are you thinking about? What are you feeling? Okay, and now here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite Jesus into that. To imagine he is right here. He's sitting right next to you. He is with you in those thoughts, in your feelings. He's just, just invite him into that place where you are and just be present to him for a moment. Jesus, we invite you into these places, to the conversations we're having, the feelings we're experiencing, the things we're worrying about. Rather than trying to suppress or get rid of those things, we're just, we invite you into those places right now. And we ask you to walk with us. Would you teach us how to walk with you every moment of every day to walk with you? where we would open our hearts to you, we would hear your voice, we would welcome you into the things we're doing on Monday morning, the things we're doing Tuesday night, just welcome you into every part of our life. Help us learn how to walk with you, God. So we thank you for this invitation from your word, this invitation to an amazing life. <laughs> of learning to walk with you. And I pray for each one of us to grow in this. We welcome you into this moment and into every moment, Jesus. We love you. And thank you, God, that we get to carry on this conversation right now through song, through worship, 
as we respond to your word. Again, we're welcoming you. We're present to you. Thank you for this privilege to sing praise to you, these songs that express the desire of our heart. So set us free to worship you now. Jesus, we pray. So why don't we stand, um, whatever campus you're at, please stand and let's uh, worship. Jesus, set us free to worship you.